is your emergency broadcast system. It's time for the hashtag Biz with the Beer podcast. Business as you've never heard before. This is an ACS executive production. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be one bumpy flipping ride. May God be with you all. Welcome once again to the podcast that shows no shame, is unapologetic, authentic, and raw. That's right, summer break is over, and this is the hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast. Business as you've never heard before. Everybody panic! I am your host, the man with a permanent food storage device on my face. I am the beard, Curvy Smith. What you want, Grizzly Adams? Now, as we're back from summer break, I just want to let you know, and I want to thank all of our listeners out there because our audience continues to grow, even though we have not put a show out in two months. Um, again, I wanted to take a break over summer with all the pandemic stuff that was going on, kids at home, schools closed, blah, blah, blah. I needed to focus on the family and it's summertime and we like to take a break during that time anyway. So, but our podcast has continued to grow. And so again, thank you. And if you want to share this show with your friends, let them know they can hear us on all the amazing podcast platforms out there, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and many, many more. You can also subscribe to future episodes and financially support the show by going to anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard and hit listener support or email me directly to be title sponsors at Curfee at acsexec.com. And you spell Curfee, C-U-R-P-H-Y, at acsexec.com. And hey, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us Facebook, or fastest book, which has become, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or our YouTube channel. Now that we've gotten out of the way everything that all podcasters say and Shea Robottom can make fun of us some more, let's get into the new segment of the show. That's right. We have a new segment of the show that I'm going to do, and it's called Don't Spam Me, Bro. You sandbagging son of a bitch. <laughs> so we are changing our format a little, and I wanted to make the show a little bit more fun and I, this may become a permanent fixture of the show. I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But this is where I am going to read the worst spam emails slash sales pitches of the week that I get in my inbox. And I get a lot. Um, now, the names will be anonymous. Don't worry about that. So if you're spamming me or email me, I'm not going to pick fun of you or make fun of you by putting your name out there. Um, however, I felt with as much spam and horrible sales pitches that I get daily, I might as well use them as a teaching moment. And if we don't learn anything, we will get at least a good laugh at it. So who knows? Maybe by doing this spot, I'll be getting less people spam me and email me, right? Um, this also allows me to make fun of other people besides my ex-wife. You scorpion woman! So uh, with that, it's time for the segment of Don't Spam Me, Bro. I got a bad feeling about this. So here is an email I got. Now, the email I'm giving you, I'm going to read to you first, is the follow-up email to the original email. And there's a reason I'm going to do that, right? So, and I'm doing this one because I actually don't think this is that bad of an email. I think it was kind of funny. Um, but I wanted to just 
share with you the follow-up email and now and I'll go back to the original email and you'll kind of realize why I'm doing that. So here's the follow-up email that I got. It says, hey, Kerfee, I can only think of three reasons why I haven't heard back from you. One, you were super busy and were about to reply. Two, you don't talk to strangers. And number three, which is the good one, you've fallen and can't get up. If it's the third one, let me know and I can send help. Oh, well, there's strikes two and three right there. I started cracking up when I read that. At first, I was like, I can't believe she sent that to me, right? But after I looked at it, I said, you know what? I love this. I love this. If the original email I received from her was not so spammy. And I saw value in that original email. So obviously, I didn't because I never replied to her original email. In fact, I actually just forgot about it because it wasn't very memorable. So I said, well, let's go back and look at that email and see what she sent me and why I didn't reply. Because the same person who sent me this email has got to give me something good in the beginning. So why didn't I reply to that? So I went back and found her original email and read it. And once I read the original email, it was a very short email, which, and it asked basically just a closed-ended question. And the closed-ended question, and this is basically the gist of the email was, did you hear about Facebook? And that was it. Nothing else. And that's why I didn't respond. And here's my issue with that and why I didn't respond. First of all, I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't know your background. You have shown me zero value from you uh, and other types of emails, blogs, cool podcasts with a beard, uh, newsletters, you know, case studies, anything like that. That showed me something that I want to know now or in the future or I could benefit from. There's no value. And most people like me or anybody, just everybody's busy. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. I don't have time. People don't have time to play games as if we we're five-year-olds playing. Guess who? Guess who? You know what game I'm talking about, right? My, my child, my youngest child always does this to me all the time. Guess dad. Guess dad. Guess this. Guess what? Guess what she said. Guess what he said. Guess what he did. Guess what she did. I don't know. I don't know, baby. I don't know. Just tell me. Um, but she gets a pass because she's eight years old. She's cute as a button and she can get away with anything just by batting her big old brown eyes at me. Um, and it was her birthday yesterday. So happy birthday to the Jews. Um, but you're not her. You don't have the cute big bug eyes and you know, you can't get away with that. If the only value of your email is going to get me to reply yes or no, then you've lost. Now I'm getting back to that close ended question, right? Now the, in, in, in the question she asks, if I didn't even know the answer, maybe I didn't know, right? Maybe maybe the answer is no. I, I don't know what's going on. There's a thing out there called Google. I'll probably go Google it. But, you know, with Facebook, it's so effed up right now. Continues to <laughs> just go in a direction that I have no idea why they're going in there. They're getting too political. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there is some other controversy going on with, with them of some sort. All right. However, the big kicker to me is the salesperson gave me an out. So what if I replied yes? I do know what's going on with Facebook. Now, whether I know that or what the hell is going on or not, basically that my answer says I don't need to talk to you anymore because I have the answer. And I might be lying, 
but it's an answer that got me out of the conversation. Think about that. It was an answer that got me out of the conversation, whether it was true or not. I'm sitting at the end of my keyboard. You're sitting at the end of yours. And basically, I just had to say, yes, I'm out. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I do give her kudos for her follow-up email to that response, or to my no response, actually, to get me to respond. Being the smart ass that I am, and I'm kind of curious now because she did spark my interest with that email. I thought it was funny. Here's how I replied to her. I thought, well, she seems like a funny person. I'm going to reply back something funny to her as well. And my reply reads, <clears throat> I did not reply because I knew the answer to the closed-ended question you asked. I am busy a lot, but I love meeting new people if they interest me. Right now, the only emergency I can think of that's occupying my mind is my 1792 batch is about dry and I will need it replaced before the weekend. Feel free to send me some and then we could do a virtual sip and speak over Zoom and discuss what's on your mind. You dick! Now, <laughs> some of them might think, God, that was really mean. Why did you have to do that? I, here's the thing. She has a sense of humor because obviously she sent me that uh, follow-up email. And I thought it was hilarious. And it did get me to respond. Uh, so I sit here and wait for a reply. I have not received anything. As today, she might, she might be sitting there contemplating a good response back to me. And if she doesn't respond to me back to me, what a shame. <clears throat> Maybe I scared her. However, her follow-up email got me to reply. It might not be the reply she wanted, but I replied. So I hope she reaches back out because that should have been her objective, right? And that begs the question, what was her objective? If her objective was to set an appointment or get a response to have a discussion with me, she accomplished it with her follow-up email. Original emails, she didn't. But maybe this is a whole part of the thing. I'll send these blank emails out, nothing, and then I'll do this funny follow-up email right away, which, you know, it worked for me. Maybe it worked. Maybe, maybe it's worked so well. She's so busy with all these other individuals. That's why she hasn't responded to me yet. I don't know. But, uh, you know, if that's, but that's her objective. That's great. It worked. But she hasn't responded back. So then I beg the question. Maybe she's think, you know, maybe she was thinking I'm going to get the sale and pose a second question as such. If that's the point, She's failed. Quit trying to sell the phone, people, on your, on your first conversation. Your objective should be to set an appointment for a demo, a discussion, fact finder, whatever. That should be your objective. So kids, remember this. Closed-ended questions are bad for appointment setting. They give people an easy out. And two, identify your objective. If it is to set an appointment, then accomplish that and move on. Don't get greedy. And that's the segment of Don't Spam Me, Bro. That's all I have to say about that. So if you got something funny you want to email me, I could put it on the show and poke fun of it. Actually, this wasn't really a poke. It was some funny stuff. I get it. Uh, and there's a teachable moment here, I think. Hopefully she responds back. If she does, I'll, 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 read, your, I'll read you our response in the next email. Uh, in the next next week. But anyway, that's it for don't spam me, bro. Now, before I get into what I really want to share and what's the topic of this podcast today and probably why you clicked on, if you haven't clicked off the podcast already, 
I have to give a shout out to a friend of mine back in Pekin, Illinois, who owns Honey Ocker Beard Company, right? Mr. Adam Hahn. Now, this is my go-to beard balm and beard oil guy. Adam is a guy who, in my mind, has created the best scent for beard oils and balms. It stings the nostrils in a good way. It, it's my go-to scent. I love it. There's nothing I like more. I've tried beard oils and beard oils from all over the world. People have sent me stuff. And nothing has beat the scent of humidor from Honey Ocker Beard Company. I know it's my go-to one. So if you want me to you know, give you a shout out on the show because my beard's so important to me, send me some free beard oil, beard balm. Let me try to beat Adam's humidor because right now nobody can beat it. All right. Nobody can beat it. You know, a lot of people look at my beard and probably think it's genetics of why my beard looks so good, but it's not. It's, uh, you know, it, it's Adam and his beard bombs and beard oils are very good. And yes, ladies, they it does smell very good too. So if you're like me, guys, and you truly enjoy walking into a humidor and picking out a nice stogie uh, to have with some bourbon or whatever you drink it with, you'll love this scent. And trust me, your wives and girlfriends will enjoy it too. So, and, and by the way, Adam has no idea I was going to give him props on today's podcast. Uh, so as a favor to me, please go out there to Honey Ocker Beard Company and get your beard on. All right. Good job, Adam. Keep it rolling, buddy. Love you, man. So the reason why you clicked on the show today, it's not maybe it's because you just like listening to my voice and uh, my insanity, but today's topic was B2B marketing. Where, where, where do I start, Curfee? Now, this pandemic has come on and a lot of people has pushed off digital marketing and social media because, you know, or they, they've done a half-assed job of it. Now they, they have to because going face-to-face -face sales right now is very difficult because a lot of businesses aren't allowing that to happen because of the pandemic. So you're going to have to find a different way to reach them, right? Now, as many of you know, or you might not know, I have a company that's been around for about five years now. It's called ACS Executives, and we are an outsourced consulting company that provides services to help your company grow and become more profitable. We or I do not try to sell you some new age funnel that you see on social media. These guys that come on there, gals, they'll turn your business around if you follow this funnel. We don't do we don't do that, right? We offer actual executive solutions and consulting, sending around centered around the financial and business operations of your company. We want to help you grow top line revenues and improve profits. And if you need help obtaining capital, we can do that. But at the end of the day, we want to help you build success. So, for example, if we're looking on helping you from a top line revenue standpoint and you need help increasing leads or becoming more uh, you know, obtainable to your clients, we can offer SEO services, digital marketing services, social media management, content marketing, lead generation, et cetera, et cetera. And we do a damn good job of it. A damn good job of it. Uh, I've got a team that is top notch that I will put up against anybody, any any larger marketing firm as well. They're good at what we do, and we do it for pretty inexpensive cost. Um, but what I've learned by doing this in, in the last uh, you know a couple of years and having this part of our uh, one one of the, this arrow in our quiver is what I've learned, and especially now after this COVID scamdemic, is this. Perceptions about people partnering with you are formed online before a face-to-face -face meeting even occurs. Let me repeat that. 
Perceptions about people partnering with you are formed online before a face-to-face meeting even occurs. So the challenge is this, and as we pointed out earlier, is that you need to influence and persuade customers without intruding at all viable digital touch points. Now, what's a touch point? The term touch point is basically anytime the customer can touch, see, feel, smell, dot, 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 your company. You know, you know smell. I need to smell my company. Yeah, smell. I mean, who wants to walk in a company that smells like shit, right? Especially if you're serving food. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Right? A touch point. What do you look like from the curve? What do you look like on your Facebook page? What do you look like on your Instagram page? One of the, one, one of the biggest things, I always see the most simple things that drive me bananas. If you go to someone's Facebook page and you look at their profile picture, especially the company, and they put the little company logo and it doesn't flip and fit in a little round circle. And it's not that difficult, people. And what drives me more nuts is when they actually have a social media company running their page for them and they can't even get that right. Come on. It's laziness. Where do, so, where, so where do we start, all right? Where do we start with this B2B marketing? Now, I also teach an executive roundtable that we just kicked off. It's called the Wolfpack. It is an executive roundtable that meets each week. And we talk about the five B's of success, right? And uh, the Wolfpack's five B's of success are ready for this, your brain, which is your mindset, your body, healthy body, healthy mind, healthy leaders, your business, your bonds, which are your relationships, and your brand, right? And when we talk in that roundtable, and we're going to be talking in this roundtable, in any issue we have, we always start with self-assessment and being self-aware of who you are, who your company is, what's your industry, and who are your competitors. It's always the first step. And anything you do, self-awareness and self-assessment should be your beginning step. But before we get in the weeds, and there are some easy self-assessment questions that you can ask yourself to help you get going before you kick off a B2B campaign, right? And I'm going to go over 10 of them with you right now. So get the pens and paper out, kids, and start writing these down because I'm not going to send some notes out to go along with this. You're going to have to figure this one out. And I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to slow down. I do speak slow, I think. Uh, But other people say I speak really fast. So I've been making a concerted effort to slow down. And if I I haven't slowed down enough for you, email me. Let me know. Make comments. Say, hey, dude, you need to slow down. And even though I live down south, I am from the north. So maybe that's my uh, issue. (laughs) Um, But anyway, let's get into this. What are some self-assessment questions that you can ask yourself to help you get going before you kick off a B2B campaign? Too often I see marketing departments or small businesses who have some marketing individuals they hire because of their brothers, sisters, aunts, best friends, cousin, who runs a pretty cool, funny Facebook page themselves, decides to run this company's Facebook page, right? And they know how to do it. The fact is that they usually don't and people just, you know, they're, they're winging it. And I'm not a wing it person, right? So where do we start? The very first point, very first thing that we want to identify is how do you 
or your product helps someone solve a problem? That's a question you need to ask. The fact is this. Products and services are invented and exist for one reason and one reason only. And that's to solve a problem. If your sole purpose and approach to your business model is just to drive revenue and make money, then you've built a major obstacle cell for yourself, major obstacle for yourself, because the message you are sending out to your audience is not about them, it's about you. So always, always know what problem your product, your service is solving, and then sell that. This should be your foundation because this will help determine who you're going to sell to. Number two, know the important verticals or divisions within your company. If your business is viewed as not having vertically connected experience and expertise, it can be difficult to break through to decision makers. So what's your strategy to change all that? It's easy. By tailing your sales, product development, and marketing efforts to a specific industry, this will allow you to focus your efforts where they're likely to have the greatest impact on them, right? So with better brand recognition, you can now use vertical marketing to establish your expertise in a particular field or industry, which in turn can boost the confidence of your buyers. Makes sense, right? Define your business goals for the immediate future. This is number three. Define your business goals for year one and then maybe up to year three. And what I'm trying to say here is sometimes marketing in the organization don't always click on what they are trying to accomplish, right? They're, 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 they're going a different path. Your business may have very vague or not very detailed goals that are not set by your marketing team, right? It's set by a CEO. Before you start with any campaign, you need to make sure you understand what these are. If these aren't clear to you uh, and you're not one of the executives, you, you're just going to waste time and money and your efforts. And then you're going to really piss off the executives. So get off your butt. Talk to your CMO, CEO, CFO, any of the executives who know the company's goals. Now, as a CEO, as an executive, I truly believe your organization and you uh, need to be managing an open book uh, management style. So that way employees are no very clear on what the company's goals are. Here's my point. My point's this. Just wrap this point up. Make sure you understand what your company is trying to achieve. So you know you're investing your marketing resources in the right place. That's what it comes down to. Uh, let's say your company needs to get more customers, right? In order to achieve this, you need to generate 10 leads per week. The sales team needs help from marketing to drive these leads. The business objective is to increase revenue by increasing customers. And a good marketing objective could be any that help generates more leads. So let me get, let me, I got a story to tell you on this before I go on the next one. I know I kind of dragged this one out, but I think it's really important. I worked with a client in another, uh, more of the CFO role. And with that, you know, we started establishing objectives around the different chart of accounts within the, pro, the PNL, the company, who touched that you know, to, you know, especially in the expenses, you know, who all touches that to make that number happen, right? Whether it's we're spending money or making money, I want to know the people touching that, who's involved. And we centered around, you know, management style to make sure we optimize those different charts. 
with that being said, you always have the expense of marketing. And I remember particularly this one time and it was around Thanksgiving. Actually, it was the week before Thanksgiving, the Thursday or the Friday before the weekend of Thanksgiving, which would have been exactly five, six, seven days away, right? Black Friday would be one week away. On that Thursday and Friday, they come to me and say, we want to do a Black Friday sale next week. Okay. Why? Well, you know, everyone all is doing it or, you know, some of our big competitors have been doing it. I think we should do it. It's going to help us drive sales. I said, how so? I said, well, it's Black Friday. Everyone wants to shop. It's a good time. They were there. People looking to spend money. So, you know, we're going to miss out on the opportunity if they don't spend it with us. Now, it's a good CFO. I gave him a little bit of small marketing budget to do with this, to work with this, right? Because I knew it was going to fail. I just knew it. But I wanted to prove a point. And so I did. And they did this whole, and they are, they're excited, right? And I let them run with it. And so Black Friday came, went, and we had some sales and the following Monday. Uh, they came in and they said, man, we, we, we had some sales. It was, a, it was a success, Curfew. I'm so glad you gave us the opportunity to do this. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I said, all right. And I said, here's my concern. I have seen that sales have gone up a little bit. Right? I can't remember. It wasn't a lot. Uh, I think we had like a 10% increase in sales year over year compared to the, in that, in that, on that day or whatever. It wasn't a lot, but it went up. So I will, I will, you know, I will cave to, I will cave to them on that point. Just to that point. And here's why I asked them, I said, let's, I said, what was the objective of this? Well, we wanted to get more sales. Okay. We got the sales, right? Did that do the company any benefit? Oh yeah. We got more sales curvy. So yeah, obviously, you know, 10% more sales, 10% more sales than we had last, last year at this time. So yeah, it was a huge benefit. I said, okay, let's take a look at that. Let's look at those sales numbers that came in. Let's look at the individuals who bought on Black Friday, took advantage of the Black Friday discount. And I can't remember what, I think we gave a 20% discount or something. It was a huge discount. Um, so we took a look at it. Customer one looked at the individual and what he bought. Rather large item, and they say, "Yeah." So I said, "Well, who is this customer? Has he ever bought from us before?" "Well, yeah, he has." "Okay, what has he bought from us?" "No, he bought the exact item that he bought on Black Friday." "Hmm." "Okay." "Let's look at customer number two. Who is he?" "Oh, he he's been a customer for five years." Okay. What did he buy from us before in the past? Well, he bought this and this. How many times does he usually buy from us? About twice a year. Mm-hmm. And when does he usually buy from us? Uh, right before the end of the year. Okay. Did he buy anything additional? Nope. Hmm. What did he buy? Bought the same thing he always bought. And we start going down this list. And you can see where this is going. And I'm not ripping on Black Friday sales. I think Black Friday sales are great. But I think the objectives need to be a little bit more clear. It needs to be done well more in advance than a week before. Because at that point, all you did was spark in people's mind who normally buy from us to buy their products at a cheaper price. So even though we had a 10% increase in sales, I, if I remember right, and I can't, uh, don't quote me on this, but go ahead. I don't give a rat's ass. I think like 90% of those 10% increase was reoccurring customers that didn't buy anything extra. 
So basically, we just sold the exact same products to the exact same people for 20% less. See where I'm getting on this? Don't do stuff just because everybody else is doing it. Have a clear objective. Do it well in advance and be smart about it. Just because everyone else is doing it and just because top line revenue is a an objective, that's everyone's objective, right? Everyone, that's an easy one. Everyone wants more sales. But you got to think about it. Drill down. Go a little bit further. Lesson learned. And I'm done with that one. I'll move on. Number four. The fourth question you can ask yourself is, who are your customer segments and define their typical profile, their designation, what's their function, the business size, based on revenue or number of employees, peculiarities, anything like that. And so why is this important? And why do I think this is one of the most important? It's because here's why. Your product and service is not for everyone. You will continue to struggle with sales and marketing if you blanket market everybody. Take a step back, do the extra work, define your target market, and most importantly, your target customer. I have a client that finally hired us to do his Facebook ads, right? And prior business relationships and other firms and agencies, even their own employees, they wasted thousands and thousands of dollars on ads that basically got them nowhere and nothing was really tangible as far as what they got out of it, right? They just kind of blanket the market. Did a lot of radio. I don't want to get into that, but they did a lot of radio ads. And what we did, we defined his target market specifically. And once we kicked off the campaign, we started getting about one to two leads a day, direct leads. These are leads that say, hey, you know, not call in. They're messaging us from our ads that we ran on Facebook for him, right? Now, one to two leads, that's pretty good because one to two more leads he was never getting before. And in markets that he'd never gone in before, plus he's a high ticket sales item, right? His high, his average sales item is $15,000. He's got one to two people calling him or direct messaging him saying, yes, to the ad, mind you, it's to the ad that we put out. They're interested in his product. That's a lot of revenue, folks. So what, what was the result of that? What was the result of defining that market for him and going after and hitting a specific niche? I'll tell you what the result was. This seven-figure company is now on pace to be an eight-figure business. This 40-year-old business had its first ever $1 million month of sales. Let me repeat that. This 40-year-old business, been around for 40 flipping years, had its first ever $1 million month in sales. Remember I said this was a small seven-figure company. I think the previous year they did just under $3 million. In one month, they did a third of that. Now, it's not all because of the Facebook ad market. I'm not going to take credit for it all. We did help him restructure his sales team, create, helped him hire those individuals, gave him the questions, even conducted some of the interviews for him to help him establish a team, a commission structure, and strategies 
to move forward to get him to this level. With that, we added in a different marketing strategy. And look where he's at. He's blown away. He's like, I, I, I'm, I, he goes, I'm almost scared. And I said, yeah, you should be. <laughs> but this is why I do what I do. I love doing what I do. I love speaking with business owners, helping them get to that next level. So what I'm trying to say, guys, without a proper analysis of your current market, fully understanding the products and services, creating you know, a very specific description of the ideal client, most business owners will never actually see their target customers, let alone even sell to them. So if you don't want to waste money and want to avoid doing that on marketing to the wrong people, and you want to start attracting happy, loyal customers, start creating your customer profiles now and market to them. Number five, for each of the segments defined, know their pain points and needs. Now, now that you know your different target customers we just went over, right? This is very critical. What are your customers' pain points? What do they need? In both sales and marketing, you need to undercover. Did I say undercover? You need to uncover your potential customer's pain points in order to position your product or service as their solution. And the tricky thing is this. Before we move on to number six. The tricky thing is this. Not all prospects know what they want. So this is why this alignment between your marketing and and your sales team is crucial, all right? A lot of people ask me, oh, you know, I, you know, I help, you know, you, you know, you help me with this lead generation. I said, well, before we, we get into this, into social media and what we do, our job is to open the door for you. If that's what you hired me to do, that's what I do. I will open the door for you. I will get you leads. Your job is to close them. Now, if you want us to help us close them, we can work with you on the sales side, but that's fine. But if you just hired us on that, our job is to open the door. And that's why it's really, again, important that you align your marketing efforts with your sales team. Number six, competition analysis, folks. Who are your competitors and what are their strengths? You need to list out your top 10 competitors and what are their strengths. And I don't care if they're local, regional, national, wherever you're selling, you need to know those. And it's even good to know some of the bigger client, uh, customer, or, sorry, companies that are out there that you, you understand their strengths. Learn something from them, right? Knowing who your competitors are and what they're offering can help you to make your products and your services and your marketing stand out. That's part of branding, folks, right? Now, I'm not saying you sit there and look at them and you copy what they do exactly when it comes to marketing. As my good friend David Breyer, the king of branding, will tell you, you don't want to become white noise in your industry. You don't want to be like everybody else. You do want to stand out. So having this knowledge will help you create marketing strategies that take advantage of your competitors' weaknesses. And improve your own business performance. That's what you're trying to get at. What do they do well? What can you do better? Don't become white noise. Shout out to David. Thanks, Dave. Number seven, list your tangible, intangible differentiators, right? 
Differentiation does not refer solely to the assets you own, like your brand, products, and services. Differentiation also involves what you do every day throughout your organization to serve your customers better than your competition. I mean, look at all the big companies out there that are successful, and you will see that each and every one of them in their branding has successfully differentiated themselves and have consistently developed and promote unique products, services, and most importantly, drum roll please, customer experiences. By doing this, they have focused on creating a sustainable and distinctive enterprise. Look at them all, McDonald's, Apple, it's all the same. And just because you may be a one-man show, a six or seven-figure company, you should be doing the same as them. Now we're at number eight. We're getting there. We're almost at 10, guys. Hang on. Make sure your marketing objectives state both brand-related and sales-related objectives. Now, the easiest way to explain this is just to give you an example. And here it is. If I'm running ABC Company, ABC Company will increase its share of voice by 25% by the end of the third quarter, which will grow revenues by 2% over the next 60 days, which equates to roughly an additional $450,000 in sales. This type of statement is how you'll know if you've been successful at influencing that goal. With objectives, folks, your team may better come up with ideas to influence a specific metric that results in making that goal a reality. We do it all the time. In our Facebook ads, we constantly meet on all of our ads that we're running and we look at those metrics to see if we're obtaining those goals. And if they don't, we adjust. But if we don't have those goals, there's nothing to adjust to. Number nine, how do you want your brand to be perceived as by your clients. Every business in the world is built on relationships with their customers. Brand perception sets the tone of all relationships. And in today's digital world, it is easier than ever before for people to share their opinions and experiences widely over many different platforms and quickly, and it doesn't matter whether those opinions are true or not, their friends and family trust them when it comes to buying or passing on a certain business's products or services. Unless, unless it's crazy Aunt Edna and no one's trusting her, but everybody else, <laughs> they're, they're going to trust. And, and the statistics show it. In fact, if a client has a positive experience with your business, Statistics show that 77% of those would recommend the brand to a friend. Three out of every four. And here's another stat for you. This one comes from Salesforce. Today's buyers are more knowledgeable and less loyal than ever before. Yeah, that's what, that's what I said. They are more knowledgeable and less loyal than ever before. And what that means is your chance of retaining and expanding revenue has gotten more difficult 
and it's not going to get any easier. Consumers are looking for better experiences, faster experiences, and they're willing to switch brands until they find one that meets their needs. And that's why creating and maintaining a unique brand truly, truly matters. So companies need to monitor, understand consumer brand perception and when they're looking at it from inside the box. Now, how do you do that? It sounds really difficult. It's not, it's, it's not actually, there's a lot of products out there and guess what? We here at ACS, I have a product for larger businesses that is the best, I'm going to say this again, that is the best AI power consumer sentiment and competition analysis platform in the world. It's called Aris. And you get it here in the United States directly through us. All you got to do is go to www.acsexec.com, check it out, and you can actually do a free trial right now for 14 days. Try it out. Now, it's a little bit more difficult than just trying out. You might look at it and go, wow, this is, I don't know if I can do that. Message me. We'll do a demo. We'll go through it. Well, my team analyze your company, see if it's worth it. I had one company that wanted to do it, and I was like, you're, you don't, you have no social media buzz. I mean, your brand isn't really built around that, and I don't really see the benefit of that for you. You're too small of a company, so I don't sell you something you don't need. But check it out. If you're just curious, check it out. It's great. It's actually a really cool tool. Pretty neat. If you're a college or university and you have a large sports program, you need this tool. And now we've come to number 10. What does success look like for you? You need to define that. Describe in detail your reach, recall measures, sales metrics, which you'd like to see at the end of the year or earlier. Maybe it's a quarter, maybe it's every month. More is not a successful objective. You need quantifiable measures. And every area of your business has specific performance metrics that should be monitored. You need to track marketing and social media metrics, such as a campaign and program statistics. And you should even monitor sales performance metrics like opportunities, leads, dot, dot, dot. As mentioned earlier, getting your name out there is not an objective. Be very specific in what success looks like to you and your organization and have a date when that needs to be met. And that's it. There's your 10. My B2B marketing campaign, where do I start? There's 10 questions you need to ask yourself and answer. I hope today's show has been beneficial to you. A very informative show, a one-on-one -on -one show with the beard, myself. Something I wanted to do more of and I'm going to continue to do more of. That way you know my expertise a little bit more than just some of the guests that we have on here. But we are going to have some great guests that are becoming on the show this year. Um, I'm really excited. I am participating in a campaign with the American Cancer Society. They have come to yours truly, The Beard, and asked them to be an ambassador for the Real Men Wear Pink campaign. So you might see that on some of our social media ads already. Uh, me and pink shirts, and we put the logo as pink in some areas. 
um, because of uh, the fight breast cancer. It's a very serious issue. It's dear to my heart and my family's. Um, so that's something that I want to take pride in. If you want to help me fight that, you can go to my page on social media and find the link there to contribute to that fight. So thank you uh, for ACS, this opportunity to help fight a horrible disease. Now, before I sign off, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm slash biz with the beard. Then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. And don't forget, while you're on Anchor, subscribing, like I just told you to do, if you want to feature your business, like I just did Adams, Honey Ocker Beer Company, and I did it for him for free. Uh, actually, he sent me some stuff, so maybe he'll send me some more. But if you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help my support the show, please do. We're growing, folks. We have tripled in listenership in the last month. It's crazy. I'm appreciative. I love that people want to listen. I like giving value. I like talking about this stuff. A lot of times I have a discussions with people and say, listen, I don't know your business, but I know business. And this is the stuff I want to share with you. And I don't care if you're sitting in your bedroom right now and you're starting your business up or if you're a hundred million dollar plus company, I think anybody can get value out of this. And we can have some fun doing with doing the show as well. So again, if you want to help support the show or feature your business, go to anger.fm, biz with beard, hit listener support, and donate to the show. There you have it, friends. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. And until next time, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to hashtag biz with the beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.